Buglers, we are live from Leicester Square Theatre on the 16th of September with Chris Addison and Alice Fraser. It might be our only London date of the year, so get your tickets now. Oh, get them at thebuglepodcast.com. That, that bit's important. Hello, welcome to the Bugle Ashes Zoltcast. I'm Andy Zaltzman. We are looking back on day two of the Lord's Test in the 2023 Ashes. A day that I think anyone who was there will agree was, by the standards of Test history, f***ing weird. Uh, it was spectacular, enthralling and f***ing weird. Um, there was an hour of play in the evening session, which uh, Jim Maxwell, my Test Match special colleague, who has basically been at every test match since the dawn of the universe, if not before, basically said it was the strangest hour he'd ever seen. England had got into a very good position, responding to Australia's total of 416. Uh, Nathan Lyon, probably the key bowler in the series, eight wickets in Australia's edge bast and win. He'd got Zach Crawley out, was keeping things tight whilst the seamers were getting hammered at the other end, had pulled a calf muscle in an innocuous piece of fielding. Looked like quite a serious injury, might have ruled him out of the series. England were in a great position. Australia resorted to bouncers. And we saw England do this last year against New Zealand, against India, uh, in the delayed fifth test at Edgebaston last year. Uh, we saw them do it in Pakistan, bounce other teams. And, they, and, and there's something about short-pitch bowling that scrambles the minds. And England as England do now, just took it on. They lost three wickets to pull, stroke, hook shots. They lost three wickets in this crazy out of hooks and pulls. Uh, Ollie Pope going smoothly in the 40s. Ben Duckett, two runs short of a century, mm. having been playing it quite calmly, just dinking it around for single, suddenly hits one in the air. And then Joe Root caught off a no ball, playing a ridiculous hook shot on one, then... Did another one and was caught uh, for 10. Harry Brook then planked a pull shot straight to Labuschagne at square leg. He dropped it. So the five chances England gave off hook shots uh, for uh, around about 53 runs, I think it was, in the end. Against the Seamers, excluding those, they were naught for about 170. So fundamentally, it didn't work. But at the same time, England had a brilliant day in that they looked almost out of the game towards the end of play yesterday. Those two late wickets by Root slightly got them back into it. They had a great morning with the ball. They had fundamentally got to 278 for four, and everyone's complaining about the batting. Uh, joining me to discuss this, as always, and to fire questions my way, uh, producer Chris. Uh, Chris, did you get to see much of it today, or you... Uh, I, 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 w I watched bits of it, and those bits I could watch, I, I, I listened along on the radio, Andy. And 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 I've done a lot of reading since the, the close of play, and there's I'm really confused because there's a lot of people very okay. critical of England's approach today, Andy. And yet you look at that card, and you look at three fifty run partnerships from England. You look at awful bowling figures for Stark and Hazelwood. You look at the great comeback they did this morning, and yet. If Basball isn't three catches in the deep from your top order batsman and multiple <laughs> other opportunities given, what is it? Like, what do people want? Well, I guess the issue is that when, and we've seen it a number of times, and generally they've worked out a way to win games until the Edge Baston game, is that they get in these dominant positions. You think, well, if you just rein it in a bit, <laughs> you can still basically be pretty Basballistic, but just 
take those moments and, and control them. But I guess it raises a philosophical question with the, this type of cricket, the Stokes and McCallum, the S&M cricket mm. that harms the opposition but also harms yourself. Is it possible to rein it in a bit? No. Or do you have to go absolutely full-on, nail your balls to the flagpole, just in case you allow a worm of doubt to burrow into your apricot crumble and the whole thing collapses like an overcooked souffle of metaphors? I'm not sure. I mean, I still think that if... And we saw Stokes came in and just blocked it for an hour at the end, and that was a crucial 50-run partnership with Brooke, who could have been out four or five times in a, a rather skittish innings. And you watch Brooke play when he's playing well, and we saw this in Pakistan and New Zealand. He is such a pure batsman in a lot of ways, and he's got all the unorthodox options. But it seemed like today he only chose those. Now, it's difficult, obviously, when Australia's just bowling bouncers, but their spinner was out of the game. Uh, there's a limit to how much you can bowl bouncers before your bowlers get knackered or you have to try something else. And it just needed, it felt like it needed a half hour of patience and England could absolutely have this game by the scruff of the neck. But that didn't happen. But the question is, if you if you just go back on the, the commitment to the theory of Baz Ballistics, does the whole thing fall apart? I, I fear it might. I think it's a binary thing, Andy. There, there, there is, there is no half. <laughs> there is, it, it, it is, and, and actually, Stokes yeah. kind of proved that. So, so, so every other England batsman was playing baseball except Stokes. You can't play half baseball. Well, so I, but I think today slightly disproved that because actually they didn't hit that many fours. Duckett had, I think, nine in his ninety-eight. He was work. They were working it around what they've done, and they did an edge bass and they hit boundaries early on, forced the field back and then accumulated and um and they've done that very effectively for passages of this of this series um so i think people just think that all the best teams have had an element of flexibility and i don't think england showed that when they could have done today but as i said that said they're still in a position of i think just about parity in this game maybe obviously it depends they've got a bit of a long tail but they've also got Bairstow to come in so you know they could still they could get 600 they could get 300 yep Fair. Now, but the most important thing I want to talk to you about in terms of the play today okay. is no balls. All right. Like, yes. Andy, I heard you talking about it today. I, I kept noticing, I mean, Cameron Green, just alone, let alone the England players, it just seemed, and it, it happened a bit in the last test as well. I, why are we seeing so many no balls? And is it, or am I misreading it? Is this just a normal amount of no balls? It's not a normal amount of no balls. Uh, from England's point of view, so far this summer season, in three tests, they've now bowled 41 no balls at an average of one every 11 overs. And that's their a highest rate of no ballage since the 2005 summer, when across five tests they bowled an extraordinary one every five overs and four balls. Now, let's look for omens there, Chris. <laughs> what happened in 2005? England came from a test down to beat Australia in the ashes. So maybe this is all part of the statistical strategy. Um, we saw for many years that no balls basically weren't called. Umpires stopped looking for them, and they were only called when a wicket fell and they had a look. So the numbers of no balls went down over the last couple of years since they started uh, refer the TV umpire started calling no balls and checking every ball. They've gone up quite considerably, but so far in this series, they're off the scale. And Cameron Green, I think he had six in the space of five overs, including one that cost him cost him a wicket and um yeah so i don't know quite why it's going it's going on whether it's a question of rhythm and players jumping from format to format and not grooving the their 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 skills in the way that traditionally they did i i, I don't know whether it's just over excitement people striving for that extra little centimeter but yeah it's uh it's not ideal and it is yeah it's proving intermittently costly and people are going to get tired 
Talk to me about uh, opening batsman stands. This is right. like Lords. I thought there wasn't going to be. You know, it, it's been grey. It's been rainy. There's supposed to be grass. It's been perfect for both sets of opening bowlers to rip through the lineup. Surely, and yet it's been one of the toughest grounds for opening pairs in world cricket over the last few years. Um, most opening partnerships have ended within five overs and then the recent tests at Lords. I haven't got the exact stat in front of me. I, might, I can't even remember. I might have done it in yesterday's yesterday's show. But in this match, we've seen both opening pairs put on at least 70. That's only the fourth time that's happened in any Lords test match and the first time since the 1974 game between England and India. That's before I was born, Chris. <laughs> and I'm really quite... F- old these days uh england's 91 opening stand was their best opening stand in the ashes in 32 matches going back to the scg the final test of the 2010 11 series that england won they barely passed 40 in the last two series for the opening stand so uh yeah this is um untold riches and uh it i think the pitches so far that this summer have suited England's batting as much as any pitches can. And we saw that in Pakistan, very f- flat pitches, certainly the first two tests, suit England's style. They were quite flat in New Zealand. The movement that Australia uh, have got in this inning. So I, look, I looked at the first 40 overs for seamers in tests in England using the Magical Crickviz database. And I added up swing, the average amount of swing and the average amount of seam movement, and it's the fifth least combined movement for seamers, for fast bowlers, in the first 40 overs of a test innings in England, uh, in the database which has over 440 innings in it, going back to 2006. The first innings at Edgebaston, when England got that rollicking but wicket-filled start to the series uh, on day one of the series, was the least movement there's been in this database, over 440 mm-hmm. innings, as I said. And five of the lowest six have been this summer and... The ninth, Australia in uh, in four innings have, have clocked up an entry in the top nine least movement for fast bowlers in the first 40 overs. So they are really struggling with the pitches and the balls that are doing less this year than they were doing last year. And it, it's made for England's batting, even against a high-class seam attack when the ball doesn't do anything. Um, there's very little against decent players on a flat pitch that, that they can do. Uh, England yesterday got more than twice as much movement as Australia got mm. today in the first 40 overs. And yesterday was actually around about the 25 percentile mark of most movement in this database. Uh, it was, well, in fact, just in, inside the top 100 most movement of these 440 innings. So the conditions have really favoured England in this game. Uh, they had the green pitch early on. They had clouds and floodlights yesterday and didn't really take advantage of it. So they've had the, a, a huge advantage with the conditions how they've panned out in the first two days, but the game is sort of at parity. Which I guess explains why Josh Hazelwood, who is a bowler who throughout his career has scared the shit out of me, <laughs> has those really average figures today. Yes, and uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's coming back off injury, so he might not be quite mm. at his best, hasn't played a lot of cricket. It was the thir- His first spell went for 37 off five yeah. overs, 7.4 and over. It's the third most expensive spell of his entire career, counting spells of at least three overs he's bowled more than 400 of them in test cricket the only two he's had that were more expensive were both 
during Brendan McCullum's last test for New Zealand when McCullum got 145 off, I think, 79 balls <laughs> and, and just cut loose in one of the most extraordinary displays of attacking batting. Almost, you know, the, the philosophy that we've now come to see in this England team. So Hazelwood might not be a massive fan of, of Brendan McCullum. But, yeah, when there's no movement and, you know, the, the, the t- a team is set up to play this way with the skills that England have, then it can be very difficult, even for a bowler as, as good as, as Hazelwood Stark. We could sort of expect it before the series, England would attack Stark yeah. really hard, as they did in the World Cup semi-final in 2019. They did it uh, did it today, and he looked without, without swing. As I said, there was very little swing today in the first 40 overs. That neutralised neutralized him. Uh, so, yeah, it was all set up for England to totally dominate until uh, they decided to just hit balls in the air. OK, omens then. Is there, is there anything that uh, we can possibly read into today's events that help us now successfully tell the listeners what's going to happen on the third day? <laughs> well, uh no, I've not even checked the weather forecast, actually. I think there is a bit of cloud around tomorrow, afternoon, so that might help England yeah. as well. They might get more cloud. Lords, the cloud cover seems to be uh, seems to be crucial. Uh, in terms of omens, England conceded 416, having put the opposition in. They did exactly the same against India at Edgebaston last year, put, um, put India mm. in. India rattled along to 416, even faster than Australia uh, in this game, and England went on to win that game. If England do win this game, It'll be the joint highest, uh, joint eighth highest first inning score they've conceded as a bowling team before going on to win a Test match. That's first innings bowling first, and it would mean that three of the top nine have been since Stokes and McCullum took over last year. That Edgebaston game, uh, Trent Bridge against New Zealand, and if they are to win this, which is a long way off, um, uh, this game. So I don't know if you could. You know, I mean, these omens don't really mean uh, a great deal. Uh, but uh, here's one: England's top three all past forty. That's the first Good. time they've done that at home against Australia since the Oval in 1993, which was England's first Test win against Australia wow. in six and a half years. Yeah. Um, so we can we can cl- we can cling to that. Um, the two England brought up the 200 in exactly 40 overs. That's the fourth fastest ever in the history of Ashes cricket, and England's second fastest after their fourth innings chase at the Oval in 2013, when Michael Clarke gave them a rather sporting declaration. So uh, yeah, we've seen, as always, it seems with Stokes and McCullum, we have seen. Extraordinary cricket, and it's generated extraordinary statistics for me at the office. And just one final thing, if you're looking for auspicious things from an England point of view. England have already lost four wickets to stumpings this series. Three at Edgebaston, Zach Crawley today. Uh, Nathan Lyon looks like he may end the series with nine wickets. Four of them stumpings. Um, It's already England's joint second most wickets lost uh, to stumpings uh, in an Ashes series since 1934. (laughs) Uh, the last time either side had lost four batters to stumpings within the first two tests of an Ashes was 1888. Uh, and only once um, has, in a test series in England, has a team lost more wickets to stumpings in the first two tests than England already have, with a potential 16 more wickets to go to stumpings, albeit Australia's premier spinner is out of the game. But you wouldn't rule out them losing five players stumped by Steve Smith's filthy leg spin in the second innings. Um, the only other team that's lost more to stumpings inside the first two tests in the series in England was West Indies in 1950, and they went on to win that series 3-1. So, once again, Chris, it's basically in the bag. <laughs> uh, that concludes our Bugle Ashes results cast uh, for today. We will be back with more tomorrow. 
with whatever crazy events have unravelled on day three. If you've enjoyed this show, tell everyone you've ever met about it, and uh, plenty of strangers too. Until tomorrow, from me and Chris, goodbye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.